Hello everyone, welcome back to the Watchful Nights Weekend Review. My name is Ishiv, or at the Watchful Night on Instagram, or just Watchful Night on Letterboxd. Again, you guys know how this goes now. Go to the movies that I watched this past week, adding a little more color to my reviews, followed by a movie to keep on your radar. And then, yes, we do have a five movies to watch one this week. Keep letting me know what you're liking, not liking, so I can improve the next episodes. So this week was actually pretty monumental because I found my new favorite movie of all time, and we'll get to that. But before I get into the weekend review, there's a couple things that I wanted to mention. So the first thing is that, if you don't know, is that the Sight and Sound list was released this past week. And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's uh, it's probably the most authoritative best movies of all time list that's compiled by the BFI, where they collect polls from critics and filmmakers even though, you know, best movies of all time is always arbitrary. And so my quick thoughts on upon it, I mean, it's definitely had a lot of controversy because, you know, there's a lot of presence of female directors and di- more diverse directors and, you know, people like Paul Schrader, who wrote Taxi Driver, he's like not very pleased with it because he thinks it's socially charged only. And, you know, that may be true, but I think it's just exposing people to a lot more new movies. I haven't seen any of them. I mean, I've seen maybe 10 or 12, I think. Um, So I'm excited to watch them. Uh, A lot of them were on my watch list anyways. But, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting list. And so yeah, check it out for you guys to watch new things. Again, it's, it's relatively inaccessible to like the general movie goer. Like if I were to tell someone to watch any of those movies who just watches movies regularly they would be like this is stupid but yeah i think it's it's great it's it's a great way to get new movies um the second thing i wanted to mention before we get into the weekend review is that the whole week is essentially my david lynch binge and i really have to say that he has become my second favorite director even if not all of his movies like if i don't think all of his films are amazing like for fincher and nolan and pt anderson like i genuinely think those movies are awesome and you know for david lynch i think there's like one masterpiece and then a few good ones and then a few not less good ones but he has become my second favorite director because i think he's really reinvigorated my interest in film because he has exposed that you can make something like this surreal and also make it a really compelling movie um, so as it stands, it's now Nolan, Lynch, Fincher, P.T. Anderson, and then Kubrick. Just to update you guys. Okay, let's start with my weekend review. So on my birthday on Saturday, I went to go watch The Fablemans. Um, and this is a movie I want to talk about uh, in detail. So The Fablemans was released in 2022, directed by Steven Spielberg. Starring Michelle Williams, Paul Dano, and Seth Rogen for some reason, even though he's pretty good in this movie. Um, and this received a 7.3 out of 10. It's a semi-autobiographical story about Steven Spielberg's life, but it follows this um, young kid who's called Sammy Fableman as he aspires to become a filmmaker as he reaches adolescence, but soon discovers something like really crippling about his family and explores how film can serve both the truths of the family and his own truth. So what I liked about this movie, you can tell it was really vulnerable and very um, personal and it it adds a level of authenticity and genuineness where you that you wouldn't get, which is really cool. 
It's also just a good coming-of-age story in a family drama. It hits all the right notes. It has, like, the perfect conflict. Um, well, yeah, it has a pretty good conflict, and it develops really well. And, you know, people are like, this is a movie about making movies. I'm like, it's it's not just that. It really does go beyond that, yeah, even though that plays a big part of it. And <clears throat> that part is really satisfying because it is Spielberg's story. Um, so it's really interesting to see those aspects, but it, that's not what the, the whole movie is only about. And then technically, yeah, it was fine. Um, nothing to complain about. The ending is something I want to mention. It was perfect, and it was such a great ending in the context of the other movies I was watching this week, and I'm not going to spoil that, just to give you with that hint. So what I didn't like is, you know... I've never been a fan of Michelle Williams. I think he, she gets too much credit, and then this is another movie where I'm just not too keen on her. She's just too much when she doesn't need to be, and too little when she does need to be. And so, yeah, and she's like the lead of the movie. The other performances are uneven, especially from the younger cast. Um, Paul Dano is the only consistently good one, and he makes his character very endearing. So I think the performance is the fact that there's so much variation makes it a bit weird and then the central conflict which is this is not a spoiler uh, because you can see this in the trailer is that his dad is a scientist and his mom is an artist and obviously his dad is not too keen on him becoming a filmmaker but that conflict needs to be a lot more amplified as you're watching this movie because you're wondering as you're watching it like does he really disapprove of what he's doing um even in the end they they make it clear but yeah it's it needs to be more amplified uh, and then there's some scenes that are just so out of place there's a scene in this movie that um when sammy fableman is with a girl and she tries to convert him to christianity and it's really funny but it just brings the movie to a grinding halt because it's so like uncharacteristic of everything else we've been seeing um so those are my complaints but what I recommended, yes, it's not the best thing to happen to movies, as everyone is saying, um, but it's still one to watch because it's really sweet, and um, a lot of this did happen to Spielberg. So, okay, then I watched Blue Velvet the same night, and don't want to go too much in depth into this movie. Uh, released in 1986, directed by David Lynch, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Isabella Rossellini, Laura Dern, and Dennis Hopper, in one of the creepiest villains in film history. And this received an 8 out of 10. Really not much to say about this movie. You can read about it. It's perhaps his most overrated film, but I still think it's amazing. So I would recommend it. It's a great introduction to Lynch's darker side and a really important statement of uh, a really important statement on American small town culture. Okay. Then the day after that, I watched The Lost Highway. And this is the movie where you know, I was like sold on what he was doing and and more importantly, I really enjoyed it. So, I think so Lost Highway released in 1997 directed by David Lynch starring Bill Pullman, Patricia Arquette and Balthasar Getty. Uh this receives an 8.2 out of 10. And you know again, I don't want to give too much away of the plot because the best thing about David Lynch movies is going in blind and just them taking you wherever they're going to take you. So, but you know, to give a 
what happens in the beginning is that it's a jazz, it's about a jazz saxophonist played by Bill, Bill Pullman who lives with his wife Patricia Arquette and they begin to receive anonymous videotapes that are invasive and they're like being taken as if someone is in their house and capturing really intimate and personal things and then the story devolves from there so what I liked about this movie, this is the first Lynch film that really had me on the edge of my seat. I was always curious where it was going to go next, and it goes in some really interesting places. And yeah, it was genuinely nice to have a movie where you didn't know what was going to happen. The biggest thing about this film, and something that a lot of, I was reading stuff online, but not a lot of people bring this up, is that this movie really understands what character is, both the concept of it narratively, but also what it means for audience expectations and so when you have that level of understanding you can really manipulate it as the way that this movie does um, and it's obviously saying something grander about humanity which I actually wrote one of my film papers on um, yeah I think that's the biggest plus about this movie it's the biggest appreciation I have and then the filmmaking has this really angry energy the lighting is extremely stark and stroby and there's a scene in the beginning where he's playing in in the jazz club and there's like this harsh strobe and it was like I felt like my tv was gonna burst um the editing is perfect um and this music and sound is great which is it's something I came around to um with his films is that the, the music and the sound design are always amazing um, even when his movies are not that great. So what I didn't like about this movie, you know, it's a David Lynch film, so it has nudity and sex, um, as they all do. And the erotic scenes in this movie are not distasteful by any means. In fact, I think they are done too, um, you know, because what he's doing is when, because, he, and, and, sorry, what I mean to say is that you watch interviews and, like, he's not a Tarantino. He's not, like, a horny dude. He's actually, like, very understanding of, of you know, you watch interviews with his female actresses, and they're just, like, very appreciative of the fact of, of that, and he's, like, not the type of person to do any of this, any of those things. But, um, so that's why I don't think it's just in them, in this movie, because he's horny. I think it's in this movie to for that shock and awe of that psychosexual side of us, but they don't seem as earned in the story um, as they do <laughs> in my new favorite movie. Uh, the runtime is a little too long. Um, it's a very small complaint. It's like only drags for a little bit. After that pivotal scene that happens at the end of the first act, there's it drags a little until it gets starts getting interesting again. So I would recommend it. It's a movie that kept me on my toes. Um, which is the classic, like, what the hell is going on, which is always fun. Then I watched The Straight Story the day after. This is, like, David Lynch's most uncharacteristic film of his style. Um, there's nothing bad that happens. It's a Disney movie, and it's about an old guy who drives across the country to meet his brother on a lawnmower. And it is amazing. Uh, so it's directed by David Lynch, really only starring Richard Farnsworth and Sissy Spasek, but... You know, there are a few other people in there. Uh, Richard Farnsworth is amazing. This received a 7.7 7 out of 10. I would recommend it. Very heartwarming and heart-wrenching at the same time. I really feel like this is a movie that I would show every old person I meet. That, like, that are above 70. 
Okay, then um, we watched Being John Malkovich in class, and it was our final film genre's class, and Professor Joe LaRocca, who you know, said, I'm going to show you a movie that bends genres. And I loved this movie, so Being John Malkovich, I'm going to talk about it in detail. Being John Malkovich was released in 1999. It's directed by Spike Jones, starring John Cusack, Cameron Diaz, Catherine Keener, and John Malkovich, of course. And this received an 8.6 out of 10. Um, brief plot description is that, you know, a struggling puppeteer finds a portal that literally leads into the conscience and head of John Malkovich. So yeah, with that premise, what I liked about this movie is that the screenplay is awesome. You know, Charlie Kaufman, you know, he did Eternal Sunshine and Ad- Adaptation and Synecdoche, New York, and I'm thinking of anything things. He kills it in this screenplay with his unique premise, but also like really construction of the story. I think the structure is really, really great. And it isn't so over the top, but it is like wacky enough at the same time. So that really works for me. And this movie is just really entertaining. Like it's funny, it turns into a thriller at some points. It has some elements of a really good romantic film and it always holds your attention. Um, so I think that's, that's when you have those two things working together, I think it's really great. And then, you know, this whole movie is in service of a, as a, of a philosophical statement of how we manipulate each other and how we pull each other's strings both metaphorically and literally. Um, so yeah, I think it's, a, it's the perfect way to tell that, to convey that theme. What I didn't like about it, um, very minor complaints. It could get started a bit faster. Um, and the cinematography needs to match like the power and the energy of the editing and the production design because it doesn't. Um, so what I recommended, yes, it's one of the most original movies that you will ever see. And it's just really entertaining at the same time. Okay, then on Thursday night, I had a very interesting experience Thursday night. So I watched Amsterdam, and Amsterdam, released in 2022, directed by David O. Russell, starring Christian Bale, Margot Robbie, and John David Washington, and, you know, a myriad of, myriad of other people. And this received a 2.3 out of 10. I hated this movie um, so much. Like, it actively angers me to think about this movie being made. It's so lifeless, like, all of the performances, including Bale, I mean, and especially J.D. Washington, they are so stale. Um, It's so stupidly constructed, like, the screenplay is really bad. I think the technically it's, like, trying too hard to the point where, like, it's bad. And yeah, this I would not recommend this movie. It's boring at the same time as it being... Yeah, no, it's lifeless. Do not watch it. Okay, so then right after that movie, I watched Mulholland Drive, and this has become my new favorite movie of all time. My God, yeah. So Mulholland Drive was released in 2001. It's directed by David Lynch, starring Naomi Watts, Laura Herring, and Justin Theroux. And you know what? This received a 10 out of 10. Again, I don't want to tell you anything about this movie. I don't think you should know anything about this movie beyond its title and who directed it. I will tell you what literally happens within the first two minutes of the film is that someone gets into a car accident and she stumbles into someone else's house. That is it. I'm not telling you anything more. Um, Yeah, if you do want to watch it, don't look up anything. Just know that I gave it a 10 out of 10. and It's pretty 
amazing. So what I liked about this movie, it's pretty stupid to say everything because it is a 10 out of 10, but I'll get into more detail. So it receiving a 10 out of 10 means it gets, it gets 10 out of 10 on all the criteria. Um, so I'll go through each of them. So the writing and directing is amazing. No other filmmaker could have made this movie except David Lynch. It's so, the puzzle is so well constructed. And you can really tell that there was a vision for this movie that is uniquely David Lynch's vision. The acting is phenomenal. Naomi Watts is amazing in this movie. I can't believe she didn't get any recognition. Well, she I think she got some, but like not enough recognition for what she was doing in this movie. I think Justin Thoreau is also really good. He's, he's kind of funny. The cinematography is, you know, it's not like grand, like The Dark Knight or anything, but it's like so intricately done like it always feels the right level of off the the camera like um there's one particular scene that happens in the diner and the camera is like doing this like wavy thing where it moves up and down and like that is just that is crazy the editing is great you know when they, when you get cuts to those sequences that we all know that are in david lynch movies it's obviously on on par there. Uh, the music is really good. I, I'm Angelo Badalamenti, I think his name is. Um, this is his best theme. Uh, and then the sound design is really great. It's This is a movie that you want to play loud. Um, even when <laughs> it's a, I was looking up some things about this movie and David Lynch sent instructions to projectionists of movie theaters that you should turn the volume up three decibels, which is kind of funny. Um, and then the production design mise on sand stuff is is amazing. The costumes are great. Um, so much symbolism there. The props are really good. And then yeah, the sets are are really well done. And then entertainment value. It's gonna keep you on your toes. You're always intrigued what's gonna happen next. So, and then beyond that, you know, there's no there's three other things that really made this movie what it is. And no other movie has made me go oh, you know, you can make a movie like this, like wildly creative and ambitious and uh, like bold, but still make it work and amazing. You know, that's, it's like one of the first movies that made me realize that where you can be so unyielding in what your style is to the point where it can turn out to be something really fantastic and a really novel experience. The other thing is that no other movie has kept me wanting to figure stuff out the way this movie does like you know there's famous movies that i've done that like seven for me um i think gone girl to a certain degree but this movie is on another level of just you know biting your nails of figuring out what like what is actually going on and then this is the final thing about this movie is that you are not going to get it it's uh, I mean, you can think you can get it, but there's like so many other elements that you won't be able to explain and it's going to be confusing. It's going to be like, it's going to be confusing. You're going to be left thinking like, what did I just watch? How do I make sense of this? And it's so nice because it's not in like the confusing way, like Tenet is where you feel like it's actually supposed, like you could, you feel like you can figure out the mechanics of this the mechanics of that story and then fully understand it but like this movie is supposed to be that way 
And I do think there is a proper way to understand the mechanics, but what you take away from it in terms of what the movie's about is all up to you. And so, I mean, what I wrote in my review is like, there is no other movie that has made me this confused, but this satisfied as well, because I'm confused. Right, so that was like that's my biggest complaint with Tenet is that it leaves you confused and that's unsatisfying. But this movie leaves you confused and that is satisfying. So would I recommend it? Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, this uh, I can tell this decision didn't sit right with a lot of you. Um, this being my favorite movie now, I will confirm it later this month or in January um, after I rewatch both The Dark Knight and Mulholland Drive. But I'm pretty sure Mulholland Drive will still take the cake. Um, but yeah, I completely recommend it. Be warned, you will be confused, and it is weird, um, but it, it is amazing. It's an amazing, amazing movie and experience, really, that you just haven't been through anything like it. Yeah. And then I finished the week um, with finishing Lynch's filmography, and, you know, this was a great way to bring him down to earth because these were not as amazing watch inland empire was released in 2006 you know lynch directed that um starring Lord, laura dern and justin thoreau that's his this is his last feature length thing um supposedly he's not making any more feature length movies but he said that that's only dependent on the idea this received a 6.1 out of 10. I would not recommend it. It's not worth the runtime. It shows you what happens when, you know, Lynch gets a little self-indulgent. I feel like every director has that movie where they get the acclaim and they're like, okay, let me take it to an extreme. Um, and it doesn't work. Like, for with Nolan, it was Tenet. For Adam McKay, <clears throat> it was Don't Look Up. For Tarantino, it's probably Hateful Eight. Maybe... I mean, I think Glory Spassers is kind of self-indulgent, but it's probably Hateful Eight. I'm trying to think who else is there. Fincher hasn't gone there, actually, surprisingly enough. Yeah. And then I watched Wild at Heart, released in 1990, directed by David Lynch, starring Nick Cage, um, Laura Dern, and Willem Dafoe. I l <clears throat> Sorry. I laugh because Nick Cage is really funny in this movie. This received a 5.3 out of 10. It's it's messy. Something about it doesn't click with me. I wouldn't recommend it. Um, and the sex in this movie is is on overdrive. Like, it's worse. It's, like, less justified than it is in Lost Highway. So, yeah. So, movie to keep on your radar. I want to say so many of these, right? Like, Straight Story, Lost Highway, Blue Velvet... Um, Mulholland Drive being John Malkovich but all of those are like pretty well talked about pretty well rated they're not underrated by any means um, so I'm gonna stick with a recent re the recent release and it's The Fablemans I really think you should go watch it um, it's a very cinematic family drama and that warrants it going to the theater to go watch it and you know at the end of the day it's a Spielberg movie so you you know it's you're in for a crowd pleaser it's gonna appeal to there's something for everyone in this movie and then finally our five movies to watch when I decided to pick something that's probably a bit relevant to a lot of people and it's five movies to watch when you want to show your parents that originality is alive in movies today <laughs> this is something that you know, I have faced, and I'm sure a lot of you guys my age have faced, that 
you know, your parents think nothing is original today. It's only sequels and remakes. Like back in my day, we had the original movies. So they are both wrong and right. Um, but these are these are some movies that you guys can show your parents and say that no, originality is still a thing. So I decided to stick with recent movies. I went literally like twenty twenty one down the years, most recent years. So. You know, the most obvious answer this year is Everything Everywhere All at Once, even though this year was really good for originality. Like, you had Triangle of Sadness come out, you had The Menu come out, Barbarian, um, you know, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies to a certain extent. extent. Um, Tar is really original. I'm trying to think there was one other big one. Yeah, but the poster child for originality for modern originality is this movie everything everywhere all at once it does require a bit of an open mind so tell your parents that it's because it is a bit bonkers and there's some jokes and scenes in there that they will not approve of but uh, if you know you know but i do guarantee that it, there was not a movie like this when they were growing up so the next thing i mean there was not much in 2021 so i moved to 2020 and there was some stuff to choose from from there. You had Tenant, obviously. You have Soul. And then there was one more. Oh, Palm Springs. And I picked Soul. I think, you know, it's really accessible because it's Pixar. And, you know, your parents have grown up as parents with Pixar movies the same way that you have grown up watching Pixar movies. And that's why I think it makes it really cool for them to watch that. Um, it's really also untapped territory in terms of the, the themes and content that is, uh, you know, explored in animation, animated films. And it really is saying a lot about how we view, how we live in the context of us eventually dying. So yeah, I think that's a great movie to show your parents. Very, like, yeah, you know, it's very happy to a certain degree. Um, then the, you know, next one, you have to move to 2019. That was another great year for originality. Obviously, my pick here is Parasite, it, because it blends genres better than and more than any other movie in recent times, I think. Um, keeps on the edge of your seat, and it's great social commentary. Um, I know a lot of... Yeah, yeah, no, I'm still saying Parasite. Then we go to 2018, and I have a Bollywood recommendation here, Andadun. Uh, the actual plot is very, very unique. It, again, it keeps you on the edge of your seat. You don't know where it's going. Very novel. I think tonally it's not unique at all. It's like very reminiscent of a Tarantino Coen Brothers movie. But yeah, and it, it maybe this could be the first Bollywood movie you could expose your parents to um, of recent times or ever. And then finally, 2017, another great year, but it has to be Get Out. There's no other question about it. Social horror, like it's never done before. Like the real scary part of this is that this stuff is probably actually happening to a lesser degree, but that is even more scary. Um, you'd also be watching one of the most beloved movies of the 21st century. If you want evidence of that, look at the sight and sound list. And it is genuinely creepy and scary. So yeah, those are the five movies to watch when these episodes have been on the longer side. So I'm trying to get through the stuff a bit faster. But yeah, um, also, one thing I wanted to mention is I watched some really great movies this semester. My semester just ended. 
um, like classes just ended this week ago, this past week, and my mom commented on my post with of being John Malkovich, and she's like, "You've been watching some good movies lately," and I'm like, "Yeah, I have." And this semester was really, really great for me, both in terms of what was coming out in the theaters and new movies, but also what I was watching on my own. So yeah, it's been really fun. And next week I'll be talking to you from Dubai, which is really exciting. Yeah, and you know, Mulholland Drive. Good on you. Good on you for dethroning The Dark Knight, which is kind of a movie I feel like I would have grown out of eventually, but I didn't think it would happen this early. Watch Mulholland Drive. Watch it. All right, see you guys next week.